0: Thank you for hopping on to another episode of Double B Creates. Today we have a new guest on who we just recently heard about. Uh, she reached out to us and asked if she could guest appear and wanted to talk about a couple of key points. That's really exciting. That's never happened before. So thank you so much for, for wanting to be on our show and uh, teaching us about what you do for the next uh, however long we have a discussion. So anyway, this is Kristen Molinar. Uh, She runs Yes Boss. Um, I'm going to let you go ahead and just tell everything that you're doing so that I don't butcher anything. Yeah. (laughs) uh, That's what I do best.
1: Thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate you responding uh, to my inquiry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I run Yes Boss VA and I, you know, I got there because I sucked at being an entrepreneur, fell into the virtual assistant world, created a specialty out of what I was doing and, um, discovered that I was overcomplicating business. Um, and you know, now just like teaching other people basically about how to build businesses more simply. Um, and so we do that for our clients with, you know, through Yes Boss. So we do, um, podcast guesting so we we help our clients get featured as guests on podcast because we've really just found that to be a very simple strategy for building a business for you know increasing visibility generating leads um, and really just taking all the complication out of sales funnels i think that we we've overcomplicated a lot of things in business but i think that what it all really boils down to is connection and what better way to connect with people than having a conversation that then gets broadcast to a ton of other people for them to hear you know everything you have to offer. So basically it's ironic whenever I show up as a guest on the podcast because I do podcast guesting for my work but I, truly I'm just obsessed with this and it it really came out of an organic um, desire to just talk to more people about uncomplicating entrepreneurship and then I realized, After I started doing that, hey, this is actually like an effective business strategy. So, yeah, I'm obsessed with podcasting and I'm excited to be here with you guys. I love the casual chat conversation that you guys have going on with the podcast. I feel like it's really fun and I'm excited to be part of it.
0: We're excited. Thank you again. Um, You brought up a couple really good points and my brain was just like sparking like crazy. You said that you sucked at being an entrepreneur and we're overcomplicating I like to use the word complexificating
1: hmm. <laughs> I like it
0: um, well I am curious as to why you say that and the reason why is because um, Brad and I started this like a year ago a year and a half ago uh, Billy just got recently brought on he's him, their brothers and uh, we were like man this this whole thing we got to figure something out I'm like how do we even start? And that's kind of why we started this, this for our topic. Right. And after it took us a long time, but after we were like, get a business license, trademark your logo and you're good to go. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sense, but I'm, I'm just curious um, what things you were overcomplicating and why you felt that uh, entrepreneurship, specifically was not necessarily for you.
1: Yeah. So when I look at my story, I definitely see two distinctions between like the struggling Kristen that was, you know, I called myself the starving entrepreneur, like the starving artist, you know, people with great ambitions and nothing to show for it is where I was. And then the difference between me going and venturing into the virtual assistant world and that then became a business. So you know, when I was doing things by myself, I was really focused on, and this is going to sound so counter like intuitive and so against what a lot of the gurus were saying, but I was hearing a lot of things about like, you know, what is your area of expertise? What are you passionate about? Like, what do you have to say? Build a business all about you. And so that's what I was trying to do. Like I came... I came from the beauty industry. I didn't love the beauty industry. I'm not actually like a beauty kind of girl. I like I actually get ready very quickly in the morning. Don't have a ton of products in my in my bathroom, but I love the logistics of like how complicated it was. So I thought, you know, I'm great at this. Like I was a great employee. I'm gonna make a fantastic entrepreneur. Like I have so many skills. The world needs to know about it. I really know what I'm doing. And it became all about me. I also you know, did what everybody else does. They get on social media and they start having the gurus tell them that they need to do all the things you need to be on, doing webinars. You need to be having passive income funnels. You need to be creating a course. You need to be having a mastermind. You need to be doing Pinterest and, oh my gosh, are you blogging? Are your headlines good enough? Are your captions good enough? Like all this stuff that literally just makes your mind want to explode But you buy into this lie that you've got to be good at all of it and you have to be doing all of it in order to make any of it successful. So you go into all of those things with the compass of what am I good at? I need to tell the world what I'm good at. Well, it's hard to tell the world what you're good at. (laughs) It's just hard. Like all these marketing channels and stuff. Like I think what happens is we dilute our efforts by going into a hundred different places and having a hundred different strategies. That's what I was doing. So I was on Pinterest. I was on Facebook. I was on Instagram. I was doing webinars. I was getting involved in other people's Facebook groups. I had a JV venture partner that was partnering with me to sell my course, you know, all these things. And you know what it was is I was burnt out. So I'm 14 months in, I'm burnt out. I'm living in my in-law's guest bedroom, making the internet think that I'm really successful because, you know, I don't want to look like somebody living in my in-law's bedroom. And I was like, this just sucks. Like, I I don't get it. Like, does everybody just fake it? (laughs) Like, is anybody actually really enjoying this thing? I didn't, at that point, honestly, I didn't think anybody did. I thought that everybody that said entrepreneurship was wonderful was just lying because... I, I thought that I was doing everything I needed to do, right? So those are all the things that I did wrong. Then what happened is I decided, you know what? I just need to make a dollar. Like I just need to get out of this place that I'm in. I just need something that's gonna make some money for me. And what's the most important thing for me? Make money, but maintain my freedom. So what I did is I went on a virtual assistant website. I picked up a virtual assistant gig. And my mindset shifted completely instead of focusing on what I was good at and what I would have the most fun at. I was looking at how I could make money doing the least amount of work as possible. (laughs) It's kind of odd. I don't feel like a lot of people talk about it that way, but even though the very first virtual assistant gig that I got, I was only making $15 an hour. And if you think about entrepreneurship in terms of like hierarchy you know, unfortunately, and I'm sorry for anybody that's in this position, but like being a virtual assistant, like people don't think about virtual assistants as entrepreneurs. They think about them as the help, you know, it's like in an office setting, you're the secretary, right? And no knock on the secretary, but it's like, I just felt, I don't know, it was a pride thing for me. So I bring that up because it was a pride thing, but I talk about the pride thing to say, like, if you think about what you're doing differently and with a different mindset and with a different strategy, you can turn almost anything into a business. Mm -hmm. So I got my first gig as a $15 an hour virtual assistant. I was assigned some blog writing projects for a client that I got. He wanted me to write about the nursing industry. And my mind was like turning like, okay, I can write this blog post and I will probably hate it, but I'll make $15 an hour. Or... I can go and find somebody who is an intern who I can pay minimum wage, which is like 7 or $8 an hour. They can write the blog post and I can make money off of what they've done. And I decided in that moment that I would any day rather make just even 7 or $8 doing nothing than $15 an hour doing everything. And at the foundation of this, I think what I learned is that a successful business is finding a client base that needs something, fulfilling that need, but fulfilling it in the way that gives you the most freedom and then just multiplying the heck out of it. And so that's really what I've done. Like I grew from a $15 an hour virtual assistant to, you know, a virtual assistant Team, So we were doing everything under the sun for our clients. And now we've identified like the best strategy that we do for all of our clients. And we specialize in just doing podcast bookings for our clients. But still, like when people come to me, they are hiring my team. And so I'm able to really be in my mind, what the def- true definition of an entrepreneur is. Like, I'm a visionary leader that puts people and processes in place. I'm not a self-employed person who's just a doer. And so there's a difference there. And those are the two things that I feel really distinguish between me struggling and me thriving.
2: You know, it's interesting that you, you talked about being a leader versus an employee. And I think... I think a lot of like I kn- we we all know people who have their own businesses and run their own shop and and a lot of times it's <clears throat> it has that mom and pop shop feel to it where where you're able to talk to them and it's like they're scraping by they're not having a lot of fun they they thought they were gonna have a lot of fun and they end up just going back to going back to big big business and and you can see that difference right you can see. You can see how, like you using your case for an example, you took leadership and you said, "Okay, I'm going to be a leader versus a doer." And as soon as you take that leadership mentality of, "I want to help people find success," you're no longer the employee. You're 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 stepping up to the front and you're you're showing people success. And I think, I think to me, like that service oriented idea, really makes it more fulfilling and more exciting in the long run. I, I of- mean being an employee.
1: I totally agree. Um, I think what I do is 10 times more fulfilling than if I had succeeded doing what I was doing, because now I've created this like infrastructure where I can choose what I do. Like I can do this thing or that thing, or, you know, I can, I can choose, like I can either be a trainer to my team or, you know, if I wanted to build something where I did podcast research or I wrote pitches or, you know, whatever within my company, I now have the freedom to choose. Um, I think for me too, the important thing there is that um, I can be good at something, but I'm not good at something if I have to do it over and over and over again. <laughs> so I need that team there to like, you know, fulfill that consistency. But yeah, I I think that it's a very different way of thinking, thinking like a leader versus a doer. Yeah, you you nailed it.
2: And I also think it's important that the other thing that you pointed out is 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 you surrounded yourself with like minded people, right? Like you surrounded yourself with a team. It wasn't a a single uh, a solo party. Uh, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use a Kobe Bryant basketball show before he got you know Paul Gasol and and got championships again. But uh, but it wasn't a solo party. It was you recognize these are my strengths and I like what I do, but I need people to to help me get to where I want. And so you surrounded yourself with like-minded people. And so I think that's another thing that a lot of people miss out on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I think, I think that it, maybe it can be, I think there's two things when people don't surround themselves with other people. Like it might be intimidating to work with people that are really good at what they do. Um, right. I think that that sometimes is, is at play and then it becomes like an ego thing. Like I want to be the best person in the room. Whereas I think of it as I want to hire people that are smarter than me because they make me look good. I mean, and that maybe could be an ego thing too, but I feel like my business can go further when the people in the room are smarter. And then I also think it becomes like a perfectionist thing. Like, oh, nobody else could do this because I'm the only one that knows how to do this, which I guess also I think is kind of rooted in an ego thing. It's You know, our ego tends to run the show a lot and that can get us in a lot of trouble. Right.
2: I agree with that. 100% 100% agree with that.
0: I think the people that are more humbled <clears throat> tend to do better in life, uh, personally, because uh, I've I've heard people like big multi million dollar CEOs and stuff like that, and people will be like, "Oh, you're you're such a influence in this world, and uh, people look up to you so much." And he's like, "I don't know why. I'm just a normal dude. Like I built this, and it, it worked." yeah whereas other guys would be like oh yeah i know i'm the best i'm the greatest I'm like no shut up get out of here nobody those wants are the to people hear.
1: you see crash and burn though when you're like yep. "Ooh."
0: <laughs> uh, we've noticed that too we've actually talked to a couple people in the past we've never even heard the episodes because we were just like oh my god i'm never talking to that person again like gone from socials everything bye
1: wow wow <laughs> Not- and I- I mean, that's like a keeping up appearances thing. Like, I could see how I was on a path to that. You know, I had this like online persona that I thought needed to be something that wasn't real. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that was not serving me. That was just creating a ton of anxiety. Like, holy ca- mm-hmm. crap! If somebody finds out that I'm actually just sitting in my in-laws' spare bedroom, you know, <laughs> like that's awful. And I, I'd rather just show up and be me.
0: I recently just discovered this uh, TV show called Man with a Plan and started watching it. I'm bored, honestly, half the time because I automated everything. <laughs>
2: because,
0: and I was going to bring that up too. As you mentioned that you didn't want to do a whole lot of work. Like lazy, I guess is the term for
1: mm-hmm. it. I'm you just hack lazy.
0: And Andy Frisella is the one that kind of put that in my mind. He's like, just automate everything around your life. You still have your income and you don't have to do anything. So anyway, I was watching this. Uh, show and the the one guy on there lies to his wife so much that he has to layer it and they call it his lasagna of of lies because lasagnas are so layered and he's trying to teach the the main character how to pile on these layers and i'm like just don't lie <laughs> and so he got caught up in this huge lie in, in one episode and like his whole life just started to fall apart And that's just kind of what I thought of when we were talking about ego and crashing and burning and uh, just kind of being pompous and and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think it's a dangerous place to be. You know, I talk to, I talk to people that are like a good example of this. Talk to people that get on podcasts and they're like all nervous about what they are going to say or whatever. And I think, well, don't talk about something that you can't just talk about. Like, come on now, (laughs) if you can't just say it in a conversation, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. Like, I I think that the world values that authenticity that we all bring to the table. Like, talk about your failures. Talk about the things that you suck at. Like, yeah, I'm not a finisher, so I have to bring other people in or automations in to finish for me because I'm not consistent. Like, I do it once and then I'm bored, you know? okay but these these things make us relatable the the stories that we tell ourselves that other people need to hear like that perfectionist stuff like who can relate to that anyways
2: you know i used to work in healthcare and <clears throat> and and it's interesting when you're in healthcare you see everybody's side b the, the side b of their track and i mean you're seeing healthcare records and you're seeing people come in with these horrible horrible diseases and whatever and then you see people that like, they have a good life, but then they click on social media or whatever, and then they compare their side B to everybody else's side A. And and it's like, no, man, like, you can't compare your, <clears throat> the sides of your life to everybody else. Like, you just gotta, you just gotta realize that everybody has a side A and everybody has a side B. And I've seen some horrible side Bs. And so, like, to see people just stand up, walk around breathing. I'm like, you have a wonderful side A, my dude. Like, like you have a wonderful side A. (laughs) Like the fact you can get up and walk. There are people with side A's that wish they could walk. Like just, just bring, yeah, just be yourself. Like bring side A and side B to the table.
0: To add to that a little bit, um, I've never really been like up on the ladder in the corporate world because, and I've always said it's because I refuse to kiss ass, but I realized that um, it's actually not that um, I learned a couple of years ago, it's because I am who I am. I'm not one of those people that's going to show up to the office with a suit and tie and have this professional persona all day and be fake. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be me. And I had a, a superior some years ago and he was like, you need to be a little bit more professional. I says, I want to see your personal side. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm just I'm being me. I'm, I'm, you know, where he starts like kind of backtracking a little bit. I was like, see, you're putting on a show. You have a fake persona. I want to get to know you on your personal end. And he was like, well, in the, in the corporate world, I says, I don't care about the corporate world. We're all people. We all are here to do the same thing. Let's make it fun. Not all robotic.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've just highlighted something that I love about entrepreneurship. It's like, Nobody's questioning how we show up. We're just showing up the way that we are and then we attract people that dig it. We well, don't have to pretend. It's also why when I worked in regular jobs like I didn't like working for bigger businesses. I liked businesses where I could, you know, sit within walking distance of the person who owned the company because I didn't like all that fluff. It just felt so stuffy to me and I never liked that.
0: Yeah, it's weird. And <laughs> I'm actually wearing jeans for the first time today in a week. <laughs> I've been in Congratulations. For, you know, like <laughs> So I've been doing these interviews and stuff. People only see your top hats. And like I was just wearing sweatpants and that was it. Like never even put on a <laughs> pair of shoes in the last week. And
1: I got slippers and socks <laughs> and a dress and it looks real awkward. And my husband laughs about it, but you guys can't see anything. <laughs>
0: exactly. But like my wife just, currently picked up a job and the owner of the company shows up the same way. She'll sometimes wear jeans, sometimes she'll be in, uh, what are those? They're, they look like they're not the tight leggings, but they're like the same material, but they're loose.
1: Oh, just like joggers uh, or something? Yeah, something
0: like that. Like she'll just show up in whatever. She doesn't care, you know, like she <laughs> the company. She's, she's got her stuff. <laughs> like she doesn't, she doesn't even expect anything from them. So which is really cool. Like, They don't have to wear certain colored socks with their hair a certain way every day. It's, but I never understood that uniform stuff, it's weird.
1: I feel like our, our um, businesses, like even corporate stuff, is just gonna have to get more and more casual. Like a millennial audience is, is I mean, a millennial's version of getting dressed up is so different than somebody who's an older generation. Mm-hmm. Um, this, we just keep getting more and more casual we we want to do what we want to do I to at, oh
2: go ahead kevin
0: i worked in an auto zone when i was a teenager and you wouldn't think it but their their uh, dress code policy is so strict i actually almost got fired for wearing white socks because i didn't want to go buy black ones because they weren't going to supply them
1: come on My now socks. you weren't on brand what the heck <laughs> your socks were not on brand for the auto supply oh, store
2: man, kevin
0: like how uh, dumb is that really
1: Oh my goodness <laughs> uh, Yeah I used to
2: work at a consulting gig And I remember Just walking in and everybody was like In suits and ties and everything And I was like I'm not buying a suit Like I'll wear I'll wear slacks and a Nice button up shirt but I can't I compete in powerlifting so my neck is like Super big and I'm like I'm not gonna Close my shirt like no
1: <laughs> Like I can't believe Your it. buttons are like popping off <laughs> <laughs>
2: how many times that actually happened like we're talking and it's like I got frustrated I was like what the heck and you could feel like (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) have a whole care
2: facility that is
1: so funny
0: it's like they make those places or they have those places where they'll do like the neck measurements and your shoulders and stuff and uh you can get the, the shirt that fits but they're like 80 bucks a freaking shirt
2: on the initial visit on the initial <laughs> visit, you're not, you're not paying for the tailoring at that point.
1: <laughs> I know nothing of these sorts. I shop at Target. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have these problems, I guess.
2: I I don't go buy those shirts because I don't like those shirts. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel
0: like I had a boss one time and she goes, you need to dress up a little bit more. And I says, why? And she goes, well, you got to dress for the part that you want to achieve. And I was like, I don't really want to go anywhere with this company and I want to be comfortable. And she was like, well, if you dress better, you feel better. And people can hear the smile in your voice. And I was like, no, if I'm more comfortable, I'm going to be a lot more happy. Trust me. (laughs)
1: Like (laughs) like, people will be able to sniff that I'm a big fake. Like nobody's going to read authenticity in that. Oh my goodness. I
0: respect you more because you're wearing a collared shirt. Shut up. (laughs) That's not how the world works anymore.
2: No, no, we used to, to, um, there was a a doctor I used to work with and he used to say all the time, he's like, so you kids need to understand that, you know, the shirt and tie look is just appropriate. And I was like, that's so East coast. Like we just threw it back to New York and Boston. Like that's so East coast. Like this is, this is the Western United States. We do things different out here. (laughs) So he got really mad when we said that.
1: (laughs) That's true. I mean, West coast is super casual. I'm from California and Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to a conference about a year ago and I saw somebody wearing Converse. She was like dressed really nice, but she was wearing Converse. And I was, I saw that and I was like, why hadn't I not thought of the fact that I can wear whatever I want on my feet? Like here I am walking in these heels that are so uncomfortable. And the moment I get out of the conference room, I'm taking them off. And I, I said to her, I was like, I just, just seeing you makes me feel like I have permission to wear Vans to every single conference I go to now. Thank you very much. <laughs> It was then, though, that I actually learned that Converse is an East Coast thing and Vans are a West Coast thing. I didn't even know that. I don't know. According to her, that was what it was. <laughs> I'm a Vans girl myself. <laughs> uh,
2: I I can't do Converse. I have a wide toe box. So anytime I try to get into a pair of Converse, I'm like, nope, this isn't going to work.
1: <laughs> I mean, They are like slender shoes.
2: Oh, they are. I wish... The second Converse decides to like open up the toe box, I'll go back to Converse. But... <laughs> <laughs> i can 't do the surfer boy shoes
1: <laughs> oh funny I
0: mean, it 's awesome how much like we tend to go off course you 're <laughs> talking about v a s and businesses, and all of a sudden we went from like being casual to shoes
2: <laughs> we <just went> <laughs> but it all wraps up to being like you, right I mean it all wraps up to, to who you are your personal preferences the What makes you comfortable in a business setting? What doesn't make you comfortable in a business setting? What what brand are you, you know, who do you want to personify and 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 who are you in the real sense? And being your authentic self. Yeah. I mean, and if and if you're not a shirt and collar and slacks type of person, don't bring a shirt and collar and slacks type of person to the table because you're gonna lie lie mostly to yourself on 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 who you are.
1: And then you're going to hate the business you've built because you feel like you have to stay within this box of who you are. I mean, that sucks. Totally sucks. Funny
2: story about that. Um, My mom works for an insurance group here in Utah. And a few years ago, the CEO the CEO walks in and like slacks and a shirt and tie. And he's like, I hate wearing a slacks and shirt. and tie. Like he started the business and started complaining about slacks, shirts and ties and <laughs> skirts and everything. And he just griped about it one day until his COO looked at him and said, dude, you're the CEO. You can change the rules anytime you want. And he stopped. He's like, I can, yeah. And it just like that realization of, you can change your business rules anytime you want with such an epiphany to him that, <laughs> that, that moment he sat down, wrote out an email and said, as of tomorrow, jeans are allowed as of tomorrow, t-shirts are allowed as of like crafted this email, fired it out. And like the way my mom presented it, it was like productivity just went through the roof because people could be themselves and we could talk and we could interact and things just, through, just were awesome for the next few months, so.
1: I feel like that's a powerful lesson because how many of us are so, we're so focused on what everybody else is doing, that's where we want to go, that we then think that we have to look like them to get to those places. Right. I mean, I have to constantly remind myself that I can do what I want to do, you know, like, I mean, even to the point where um, I had never, and this is sounds like it's super tangent again too, but Like I never realized that at McDonald's or Taco Bell that I could order off of anything other than than the dollar menu because I grew up ordering off the dollar menu. So like when my husband found out that I was, I don't know, maybe like late 20s at the time, I had never had a Big Mac. And he's like, wait, what? You've never had a Big Mac? Well, it's not on the dollar menu. Like it's just so ingrained in my head that I have to order from this specific spot because that's how I was raised. You don't order the really expensive things at fast food restaurants. But it, it boils down to my business too, you know, because... I have a lot of friends and peers that are entrepreneurs and they are telling me about the latest strategies. And I get a lot of flack for not being on Facebook or Instagram. I get a lot of flack for not building out complicated email funnels. And like, the thing is, yeah, sure. There's opportunity in all these things that we could be doing, but the moment you start building a business that just feels inauthentic or feels like something that, you don't want to be doing, you know. Then, then you've lost at entrepreneurship. Like, isn't all of this about creating the life that we want and having, for most of us, I would say, having freedom—either freedom of choice or freedom, you know, meaning we don't have to work so much. Um, but we end up buying into the subliminal rules that everybody around us has created, rather than being pioneers and paving our own way.
2: I totally agree with that. Everyone has a little bit of trailblazerism, trailblazer in them. They just got to find it.
1: Yeah. And then you just got to figure out how to make that trailblazerism. I'm going to go with it. Oh,
2: we're going to go with that. We just coined a new word. There we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got to figure out how to make it work for you. You know, like I figured out how to make being a virtual assistant be more than just being a $15 virtual assistant because I, you know, was able to think outside the box a little bit. And, um, make it work in my favor.
0: I really like the idea that you had with the virtual assistant and getting paid X amount and then paying them X amount to do the work because that's one thing that's really going to set people apart is just thinking outside of the box. Had I ever thought of that? No. Now do I wish I would have. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Well, you could do it with anything. And I think that that's not what people, I would say people making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. I think that specifically the people that are in that bracket are not thinking this way. They think that they have to build a business that's all around them. So they can't do something that's outside of their skills, but in the digital world, you can find somebody good at anything. So you have to think about like, what could I sell? And then just sell that. Like, even if you're the crappiest graphic designer in the world, but you know somebody or you know you can find somebody that's really good at this, like one specific graphic design element or whatever, you know, you can build a business around that. Like you don't have to sell what you're good at. And so sometimes I think that when we do sell what we're good at, then it's harder to let go of the thing. Then we get to a point where we're doing all the work ourselves and we can't get to the next level because we're overworked. So we can't slow down enough to bring somebody else on board. So that's why I think that there's got to be an element in every business where you're selling something that doesn't rest on your own shoulders.
2: That's, I mean, that's like, I'm thinking about that and I'm like blown away just by by that thought because it's like, <clears throat> I mean, I come, okay. So like my whole background, I come from research and and everything. So like everything does come from you. Like it comes from your thought, your brain, your panic working out the math. Um, and granted, I mean, you're basing it on other people's work, but but the second that you say, Hey, this person and I collaborated on this new mathematical proof or whatever. all of a sudden the prestige is like shared between two people and in the world of research and academia that's like sometimes that's dangerous because mm-hmm. then it's like oh, I just didn't push myself and elevate myself to like this grand this grand uh, this grandstand And so it's like I think a lot of people going back to the ego thing like if they can't do it themselves, they just buckle down and they buckle under pressure and just give up and and walk away because they're not willing to look for somebody to help them and and sell the thing that they can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we have to decide, like, do we want to buy into the messages that the employed population is buying into, or do we want to buy into the messages that the leaders are buying into because are the like Richard Branson's and the Steve jobs and like, are those people, are they just doing what only doing what they're good at? Like Elon Musk, you think that Elon Musk is out there doing all of his own innovation? Like he comes up with brilliant ideas, but then he puts people to work right? and Elon Musk is still getting all the credit for this stuff. So we've got to think about it differently. Like It's not a matter of proving ourselves. I guess, I guess it's like we don't need to prove ourselves to the world anymore. We just need to have ideas that we believe in so much that we can have the people on our team bring them into, right. into fruition. So my job is like dream big enough that I can motivate a small group of people to get it done instead of be the best that I can be to prove to the world that I'm worthy.
2: That's a very good point. It's a really good point.
1: It's a, it's a whole shift. I mean, the, the, the men, the mental game of entrepreneurship is 1000 times more difficult than the tactical aspects of entrepreneurship.
2: So I'm, I'm sure that you have some examples of, of clients you've worked with in the past that come in with, with this type of mindset. Um, what are some of the ways that you help help them like break out of that mindset of i have to bear the load i have to be willing to do that
1: well (laughs) i'll be frank i don't like people i don't like working with people that have to have that mindset shift i mean (laughs) we're a done for you service so people come to us to literally hand off the work to us but i will say this like we have our clients kind of divide into two different groups one is the people that work with us freak out because somebody is doing it that's not them and they just cannot let go and it doesn't work out. Like hiring a done for you service like we do, we do all, we write your pitch, we do all the pitching for you. You literally just show up on interviews. That's a lot of trust to give over to somebody. So you've got to be, you've got to already overcome that mindset hurdle or be brave enough to keep your mouth shut while you're overcoming it in the background you know, and then there's these other people that are ready to hand it over to somebody else. And they realize like, look, I can't do everything myself. And those are the people that, that are, that experience success as a result of working with us because we can really do our thing. And they, they have freed up bandwidth to work on other things. So that it's interesting that you asked that though, because, um, our team internally has been navigating this for several years. Like, you know, okay, we have this client who's really having a mindset struggle around like letting go. How much do we coach them versus saying to them, like, look, we're just not a good fit? Um, and from a, a CEO's perspective, I would say, I don't want to get in the coaching business. If they're not a good fit, then we just need to move on to people that are a good fit, which sounds cutthroat, but as a CEO, like, my, my, my job is to look at the profits, and if we're bottlenecking on one client because they're needing something from us that we don't offer, like that, it's not good business for us to slow down and cater to that when we should just send them somewhere else and to somebody else who's more qualified to help them overcome that.
2: No, that's that's a good point, and and I think I think staying true to your true to your goal and true to the vision is just as important as as handing them off. I mean, cause, cause the second that you hand them off, like you're not really like in my mind, you're not really like telling them no, you're just telling them not yet. Like you have something, you have some things to work on, but as soon as you fix it, we're right here. We're ready to saddle up for you again. I think that's all. I think
1: that also, like when you say it like that, it kind of elevates the position of a company when you're saying you need to do this thing before you work with us.
2: Right, right. And that's a, that's a great way to look
0: at it. I would much rather have somebody say hey go talk to this person they can they can hook you up with this need better than we can rather than having them lie and then try to fake it and give you something subpar
1: yeah that's a really good point yeah yeah i mean it's it's not a win for anyone
2: no no, it's not a win for anybody at that point. And it's, and it's almost, da- I mean, it's, it's damaging to the business. It's damaging to the individual. It's, it's, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm a big person that, uh, I'm a big person. Um, I'm a, I, am, I'm, I'm a big, I compete in the 275 weight class. So I can't, I'm a big, I'm a big person. Um, but, but I, I mean, we, we have to be like, who we are characteristically and, and the integrity we have personally has to show through at at some point going back to like what Kevin said of being personal at work and, and, and looking at people and being giving them the, the honest truth. Uh, we talked, we recently talked to a guy named tractor Baptist, who is he recently hit a 1273 on his squat and he He outright said, he's like, sometimes he's like, we have to tell people that want to come powerlift with us that look, you're just not good for the team. Like you can't, you can't come in with a negative attitude. You got to come in ready to work. You got to come in ready to put your best foot forward. And, and if you're not going to do that, then we're not in a position to help you. And, and they have to be willing to walk away at that point.
1: I like that. I like that. I mean, this all, all this conversation kind of reminds me of like niches and you know, people talk about a niche, but I feel like we're kind of getting into like some of the granular stuff Mm -hmm. of what a niche is, like knowing who it is that should be on the team and who shouldn't be on the team and staying true to that. I mean, it also ties into what we were talking about with the authenticity and building businesses around what who we are and how we show up best, like the moment that you start bringing people in that don't align with that or saying that, sure, you'll do the thing because it's an extra dollar, then you're compromising your reputation. You're also starting to build a box for yourself that you don't feel so comfortable fitting into. And now you have to navigate, am I in that box? Am I not in that box? Like all of these things um, can really hinder a business's growth and, and hinder the life of an entrepreneur, I would say you know, as the business owner, you're really just shooting yourself in the foot.
2: No, well, that's, that's, I mean, yeah. And then you're shooting your company in the foot. You're, you're hurting how many people down the line. And so I, I don't, I don't necessarily like subscribe to the idea that business is family, but I subscribe that, that you can't say that you're not hurting somebody by making bad business decisions by, by going down that route. So, but yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I've seen bad, my bad decisions have affected my team probably more than, than anybody else. Like bringing on a client that I felt like "Mm, maybe we could help them, but the business needs another client. You know, my team like really suffered as a result. And um, that's, that's always a huge bummer, huge bummer.
2: And I can imagine that conversation going back to your team, going like, so my bad. And and I can imagine that that's just not a fun conversation to have anyway.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, it's terrible leadership, but I mean, my approach has been be real about it. And the way that I think about my company is that my job is to be there for my people and my people are my team. And then if I'm there in a way that's, that's um, big, that's, I don't know good enough I suppose is the word I want to use. If I'm there for them enough, then they they ripple that out into the clients and they are there for the clients. But if I'm not there for them, if they don't feel like I'm making them important, why would if they're not important to me, why would they make the clients important to them?
2: No, and and I think that's that's a great point of leadership is your it's a te- it's teaching and it's not forcing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So quite, Kevin,
0: a lot of really good points. I'm curious as to what your uh, personal definition of success is.
1: Success to me means that I get to define whoops. <laughs> success to me means that I get to define my day. I get to define what I do. I get to define how much that I work. So um, you know I my success, to this point has been more focused on my non-monetary lifestyle than my monetary lifestyle but it's enabled me to build a foundation where now i can have the monetary goals so like working less was huge for me um i have a three-year-old son and before i became a parent i thought you know, like I don't want to be super tied to a job. I want to, you know, I want to work. I like working. I really enjoy, you know, being an achiever, but I don't want to be so committed to what I do that I have to, you know, on any given occasion, not be there for my kids. So that was big for me. Um, so building a business that didn't require me, um, or that required as little of me as possible. So like, you know, I can show up in the ways that I like to show up, but it's not hinged on me showing up. Like if I needed to take a vacation, I could, you know, and before my son was born, I feel like I, I was able to see that I had gotten to that level of success. You know, my, my grandfather got really ill before my son was born and I was able to, at the drop of a hat, like literally within a few hours, got a call from my family saying I needed to go and drive to California. I'm in Arizona. So drive out there to be with my family. Like I needed to come now. And I could, and I could then, you know, my, my grandfather ultimately passed, but I could be there for the memorial service. I could literally take off as many days as I needed to, to be there with my family in a moment's notice and not get to not have to ask permission from anybody. Like I didn't even have to tell clients that I was gone. You know, I let my team know I was gone, but that for me was ultimate success. And I did, I did that just because I wanted, my motivation was that I wanted time freedom. But now what I've noticed is that when you, when you talk to a lot of like coaches and consultants that help people go from like a hundred thousand to a million, they talk about offloading everything off your plate. Like that's how you get to a million. You know, I've heard people say you can hustle your way to a hundred thousand, you can't hustle your way to a million. And so now I'm like so thankful because now we've made a couple hundred thousand and I'm like, okay, cool. I have these foundations in place where we can scale to a million because to get to that first hundred thousand and that second, I didn't exhaust myself. Like I didn't hustle my way there. So now I have the foundation of freedom and now we can build on that. And I can focus on the money because I've got the systems and people in place.
0: I like it a lot. I was going to tie it back to freedom. And then you brought that up. You said, <laughs> <laughs> that I really liked as well. Um, because nobody's ever segregated it before. Um, like you have time freedom, then you have financial freedom and stuff like that, but never thought about it.
2: I mean, that is, I mean, yeah.
0: Freedom is, you go off and do whatever, but there's different aspects of that as well.
1: I mean, I'd rather make like, my thinking was even when I was making like $40,000 a year, I was like, I'd rather make $40,000 a year, hardly working than make, at that point, then make $100,000 a year, but have no time to do anything. Right. Like my husband and I, when we got married, we lived in Missouri. So we we're in the Midwest and one of the things we talked about when we first got married was we'd rather both just have part-time jobs and have a lot of time together to do stuff than work full time and have tons of money. Because the things that we did out there is we had this really we have this really good friend that owns a used car dealership. We love just hanging out with him at his used car dealership, going with him to like pick up cars. He would buy quads and like we would ride them around and then he would resell them. So we we're like always riding the next like free quad we loved doing these things. Like all the stuff that we enjoyed doing really had to do with being with people that we loved being with. And so we realized that the stuff in life that we love doing didn't require us to have all that much money. And so that was like one of the values that we had in our marriage is let's just figure out how to have a lot of time together. Cause we, you know, I'm married a guy that I really like. And then when I came to building a business, it was like, well, I'm not going to sacrifice that. Like I know people get into business to make tons of money, but my initial motivation wasn't to make tons of money. But like I said, in hindsight, it's like, oh, I guess I kind of set myself up to then have monetary goals because I had the freedom to do that, which has been an insanely amazing consequence of, of what I've done. And I, I, I hope that, you know, if even just one person listening hears that, like you don't have to lose your life to gain, you know, financial freedom.
0: You have no idea how many people that baffles when you say that. <laughs> I remember somebody asked me, they're like, Oh, well, why don't you want to be uh, a team leader or a manager or something like that? And I says, because then I'd have to work twice as hard and I wouldn't be happy. Yeah. They're Like, what do you mean? And I says, I would rather make less money and be happy and be able to do what I want still than to be married to my job because I married my wife
1: (laughs) yeah 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 I mean
0: but you you have more freedom when you have the money no you don't (laughs) no
1: no you don't no not when you've sold you've sold everything away it's I love talking about this because it's so um it's such the opposite it's so opposite to what we are being taught in hustle culture. Like how many entrepreneurs are saying, you got to hustle, you got to hustle, you got to hustle, you got to hustle. And it's like, so then you could be stressed out and look back and be like, okay, I hustled my way here. Like, how do I stop? If I stop, then everything's going to crash and burn. Like it just, it isn't sustainable. And it kind of, not kind of, I mean, I'm being polite when I say kind of, it pisses me off. Like, why are we, why are we selling that as, as the way? you know, if you want to hustle your way, like go work in a corporation where you can hustle your way to the top. That's where we've got to hustle is if you want to work for somebody else, but there's so much opportunity to to do for yourself. Heck, find something where you can get paid $15 an hour and then outsource it and make $8 an hour passively. And then just keep getting more of that $15 an hour. Like, I mean, (laughs) if you get enough of that work, how hard is it to get something where you can make 15 dollars an hour online you know you could do that and you could be free full of freedom and you could have enough money to get by
2: yeah kevin and i have a have a mutual friend who started in a, a web design business that is running into that problem right now that he Try to do it all himself instead of like bringing people on. And, and he remarks multiple times. He's remarked to me multiple times that a few months ago, he really wishes he, he had enough work coming in that he really wishes he could have brought on like two or three part-time guys just to kind of shuffle the work off. But he, he was like super, super worried that if he did that, then he wouldn't be able to get more work and so on and so forth. And yeah, like he burned out just like you pointed out and just, burned crashed and now is like he has his business and it's going to become a side business instead of what he wants to do and now he's looking for a job to enter back into
1: that sucks because i think then we layer in a scarcity problem because when you're when you look at your business finances in that in the scarcity way and also i would say in like a personal finance way so all the money that comes in excuse me All the money that comes in is your money because you are the business. You then are using your money like you would your personal money. So you're like hoarding it or spending it, using it. It's going, it's all going somewhere versus seeing our business as an entity that's separate from us. Then we treat our business finances like business finances and business finances are meant to be invested and to multiply. And you do that by outsourcing work. You don't do that by putting it in your personal bank account and spending it all. So, you know, we, people get into these positions where they're like, well, I'm burnt out by what I'm doing. Sure. I'm making good money doing it, but I have no freedom. Well, I can't give them, I can't give this work to anybody else because my personal spending has now bumped right up to the same ceiling that my business is bringing in. And they end up in a really tough situation and probably being hit with more taxes because they're (laughs) self-employed, but you know, it's, it's just, it's a sucky place to be. And I think that that thinking, you know, I will get help when I get to this level or, you know, putting things off, you know, we have to start trying to figure out how we can do with what we do with what we have today, do what we would do where we want to be in the future. So like what we would be doing at the next level, how can we start doing that stuff now? That's what will get us to that next level.
2: I'm writing that down. That is a perfect quote. I knew you were taking
0: notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Though I fumbled my way through how I was actually uh, going to phrase that. that. 100%
2: 100% picked up what you were putting down. So it's going down on my paper.
1: <laughs> the, the, the vision was in my head. I was just trying to figure out how to articulate <laughs> I'm a verbal processor. So half the time, you know, I don't totally know until I've actually heard it come out of my own two lips.
0: <laughs> I do that a lot. I use the filler words like, um, and it drives <laughs> me nuts because I can hear myself doing it all the time. And I'm just like, well, yeah, would you stop it? <laughs> Think before you speak.
1: Just be silent.
0: Oh, sometimes I just like to be as surprised as uh, what comes out of my mouth that other people are. So <laughs> I, I think my surprised husband
1: surprised. would say <laughs> I think my husband would say the same is true for me. Sometimes I say the dumbest things.
2: <laughs> Let it fly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, oh, cool. Uh, where can people find you at? Like what's your websites, stuff like that. And uh, uh, maybe you can get some business off of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can check me out at yesbosspa.com if you're interested in exploring being a podcast guest as a way to grow your business. It's very, it's very simple. We're done for you agency. So we help people get all that stuff done. And um, true to what I preach, I am not all over the place. The only place that I personally hang out is LinkedIn. Don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. I just, they give me a headache and I've decided that it's not worth the headache. So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn because of the spelling of my last name. So when you type me in, I believe I'm the only one that shows up. So yeah. And what's that? (laughs)
2: I'm going to test that theory. I'm all over LinkedIn. So I'm going to go test that theory.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I like it on LinkedIn. I feel like LinkedIn is a place, I mean, I hope that it never changes. I I can see, I can't see why it would, but we're not talking about all the fluff. Right. Like we know what the objectives are there.
2: Yeah. and And it's far more business driven and, and like, I feel like people actually want to have a discussion versus an argument
1: yeah oh, of course he would do that oh i'm the only one that showed up <laughs> Woo-hoo! at least you didn't prove me a liar while we were recording
0: they were already re- uh
2: we're still recording <laughs> 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 boom <laughs> yep <laughs> you're gonna have two more people in your network
0: on linkedin right i went to go connect and it says we already are maybe not i don't know how to use it i'll figure it out uh, <laughs> I'm like the worst with LinkedIn. Like I, I can figure Twitter out before that and I've never even had a Twitter or
2: been on it. <laughs> Twitter Twitter's just not worth it sometimes. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you so much um for hopping on and giving us your time. Uh I had a lot of fun with uh there goes the Us. I had a lot of fun talking to you today and <laughs> I learned quite a bit. You also taught me a couple new ideas as far as thinking outside of the box and things like that. So, uh, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I know it was, you know, just this me reaching out, Hey, you don't know me, but, uh, would you talk to me? So (laughs) I, I always appreciate, um, the positive response and I had a lot of fun. I think that the conversation style of the podcast is really fun and, um, it, it was just enjoyable to hang out with you guys virtually. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that you said that you got something from, it, I mean, that's for me, that's my hope is that just for like even one person to feel like, all right, I can do things a little bit easier, or I can say no to the thing that I think that I have to say yes to. So thank you guys for having me.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was, it was really exciting. And, and one thing that we like to ask our guests is if in the future, would you be open to jumping back on with us on another episode, just to kind of come and chat with us again? And, share more stories and just, just kind of talk with us.
1: Yeah, of course. Awesome. Of course. Yeah. No, I, I you know what, <clears throat> this is, this is my, my podcast uh, philosophy is that the best podcast episodes, you do them to, to expand your network and to have more people who, you know. And so I think that it, it's unfortunate when you just hump, hop on a, interview and then like you never talk to the person again so i would love to be invited back and i just hope to stay in contact with you guys i've really enjoyed this
2: absolutely absolutely um yeah
0: i think it's fun too because uh, like you reach out and you start to meet new people
2: <laughs> oh and the sun showed up hi sunny <laughs> time,
0: but at least this time we waited to the end uh, you get to connect with new people you get to learn from people which is really fun And every time that we asked or are asked um, to be on our show or um, anything like that, we always say yes. Because, I mean, it makes no sense not to. You're, You're building your circle. You know more people. You've got a bigger reach. You can help them. They can help you. I agree it's more
1: about who you know in business i think than what you know that's i mean there's another lesson right there yeah but
0: like there's i got one response and he he says i'm never doing podcasts uh for future reference was his response (laughs) two days later he's like hey i just recorded on this show and i was like okay bye deleted (laughs) like you don't have to lie just tell me no
1: (laughs) that is so weird never say never say never i mean maybe it, let's give even giving him the benefit of the doubt i'm never going to be like come on now really
0: yeah. how many
1: things have you guys said never to that you're like oh well probably shouldn't have said never
0: i said yeah. i was never going to go to college now i have two degrees
1: look <laughs> at that i said i was never going to have kids i have a son
2: <laughs> we, could have an ep- we could have an episode on never say never all day never long. say never
1: <laughs>
0: let's do that for the next one
1: i like that idea <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you guys. I I really did have a lot of fun. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, accepting my, uh, (laughs) accepting my (laughs) self-invitation.